welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. Well, I'm so happy today because I have my old traveling companion, Bev, with me. She's just returned from another great travel adventure without me. And we're going to talk about one of her favorite things, European Christmas markets. Tis the season, Bev. It certainly is, and it was a fun, festive time. But we missed you, Deb. Oh, good, because that was going to be my first question, because we always have a whole lot of laughs when we're traveling, even if things aren't that funny. We do. This episode is entitled Christmas Markets. It wasn't all goodness and light, but they've definitely stood the test of time. So, Bev, if I were to say the words Quintao or Oinamelo or Ponchinabadino, would you know what I mean? I'm not sure I would. Okay, so if I say glue vine or glog? Definitely I do then. <laughs> I, I was pretty sure you'd know that. Uh, yes, hot mulled wine. It's a real staple of Christmas markets everywhere, isn't it? It certainly is. And I, I know, know yeah, I know you're gonna talk about that a little bit later, right? I will. So I thought to set our stage and to get us in the mood, we should make a little drink while we talk. Sounds Are like you in fun. for that? And if you're listening and if you want to join us, just run to your kitchen right now and uh, grab a saucepan. It's really easy and it'll only take a few minutes. So uh, right now you get um, about two cups of wine. So I'm pouring one cup of wine with alcohol and I'm also doing one non-alcohol with all the talk lately about maybe cutting back on the alcohol consumption. That's a really good idea, Deb. Yeah, I've done it before and it actually tastes really well. So you pour that into a saucepan and into that you mix in about one tablespoon of liqueur. Now I'm using orange liqueur, but I understand there can be numerous other kinds of liqueur. Well, one thing we noticed this year at the Christmas markets was that amaretto was a very popular addition. Oh, is that? Yeah, we didn't try it, but I think it would be good. Yeah, and uh, I understand you can always put, um, also put brandy or whiskey or rum or bourbon. And then into the saucepan, toss maybe a couple of teaspoons of brown sugar or honey. And then the most important thing is the spices. I always add a few cloves, a cinnamon stick. I just happen to have star anise and cardamom pods handy, so I threw that in as well. And then the last thing is um, a few slices of citrus. I usually use orange. So what you do is you just turn on the burner and you just get it barely to the boiling point. You do not want it to boil. And then turn it right down to barely simmering and then just leave it for a little bit and by the time we're done our talk we can sample. Sounds great. What are you using, Bev? I sort of took the easy way today because I've been busy, busy baking all day. Oh. And uh, so what I chose was an already bottled spiced wine. Okay. That, yeah, that you can just heat up, add anything you like to it, or just leave it as it is. And oh, nice. We'll see how it is. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a good plan. So, Bev, did you know that um, even though hot mulled wine might be a Christmas market, uh, Christmas market tradition, that brew goes back a long, long way to the ancient Greeks and Romans? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they didn't want to waste any of their precious wine, so they heated any leftovers or any substandard wine with some spices, such as 
saffron and pepper and bay leaves and a honey for sweetener. And then those aromas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then mulled wine was really popular in the Middle Ages, and they justified it by believing that the spices were good for their health. Hmm. But it's thought that uh, mulled wine became synonymous with Christmas during the Victorian England days. So, yeah, so as our uh, drink is mulling, let's talk a little bit about the history of Christmas markets, okay? And then, Bev, I'll hand it over to you, and you can tell me the kind of the modern-day version. Sounds great. So I think that some people might be surprised to know that uh, Christmas markets weren't always a joyous occasion, and the history's just a little bit sketchy. They think that um, the earliest versions might have dated back to about 1292 in Vienna, and the emperor allowed the stores to have an outdoor market for one or two days so that people could stock up on supplies for the winter months. And then these markets began to crop up across Europe, and they were known as Wintermarkte. And then families started to sell chestnuts and gingerbread and almonds and all those wonderful things that people would buy as gifts. They then became known more as Christmas markets across Germany. But the first real Christmas market is said to be in Dresden, Germany in 1434 the Streiselmarkt. And Beth, that got me to thinking, do you remember a few years ago we were actually in Dresden, Germany? Yes, and they were having a market that, I think it was Unification Day or something. I can't remember what the purpose was, but I sure do remember the glue vine. Yes. <laughs> it's not entirely clear when they switched to selling Christmas trees and ornaments and such. Um, and there was some indication that the markets were initially for the wealthy people to socialize and buy products. But in the early 19th century, it became more popular amongst the working class, and this caused the wealthy class to turn their noses up a bit at them. And the police even complained about the workers that would attend the markets. So the markets were seen as a little bit undesirable and questionable. And then, with the advent of department stores, um, they started complaining that the downtown markets were taking away their business. So markets were moved to more of the outskirts of the city area. But in the 1930s, Christmas markets returned to the downtown areas, and this is really interesting. That was with the help of the Nazi party. Uh, politics became involved with kind of less emphasis on Christmas and more on the German history, including the Nazi regime. And markets moved back into the city centers because the Nazi regime believed that the move to the outskirts was kind of un-German and maybe drew more, shall I say, ethnic types. And they also wanted to stimulate the economy with a focus on German-made goods. Then it worked as you know, millions attended the markets until the start of World War II when many markets had to close, of course. But Christmas markets returned by the end of the 1940s after the war and they just boomed in the 1960s and 1970s. And I'm going to add here that it wasn't just the Nazi party in the early 1900s that tried to influence the markets. Several political, political parties got involved and tried to influence the markets in their own direction. 
So Bev, Christmas markets really have a bit of a convoluted history, which I guess isn't that surprising given that Christmas itself has different meanings to different people, doesn't it? Yes, that's for sure. And, and we know of how much their changes have happened in Europe. And so we understand that things have changed as, and evolved. Yeah, exactly. And that brings us kind of to the modern day Christmas market. So, Ben, what can you tell us about that European tradition? Because I know that you've been to a lot of them over the years. Well, we have been fortunate to do two <laughs> different Christmas market trips, one in 2018 and again this fall or November, December. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Deb, there are thousands of Christmas markets in Europe. For, for instance, there are 3,000 in Germany alone. <laughs> Wow, that would take you a lot of time, Bev. Yeah, I think so. Um, The internet has a myriad of resources describing everyone's favorite markets. So if you're thinking of a Christmas market trip, I would suggest that you first decide where you would like to visit, looking at ease of travel and areas you're interested in, and then research the markets in those areas. You can be sure there will be many. And I I imagine that um... Each city might think their market is the best. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and and there's there's a bit of a debate in Germany too over who really has the biggest or who has the oldest. They, ah. Yeah, they, they all go for the bragging rights. But right. In general, most of the markets we've visited follow the same theme. Vendors sell their Christ- Christmas handicrafts and also other items from matching stands, most commonly the wooden chalet style, but I'll tell you a bit about a few other types. And Christmas lights and decorations abound, producing a most festive ambiance. There are, of course, numerous stalls offering great food and drinks. And many have entertainment stages, carousels, Ferris wheels, and often ice rinks for skating. The whole atmosphere is just one of fun. So let me tell you some specifics of the places we've visited to see if it's something that might interest anyone. In 2018, our first stop was the fairy tale town of Bruges, Belgium. Oh, it's easy to reach by train, and it is a joy to visit. And and Bev, I would add that isn't Bruges, Belgium, a fairy tale at any time of year? Exactly. (laughs) It's a major tourist destination, and I've heard it can be overwhelmed by visitors. But we found it to be relatively quiet in late November. The market square is filled with the annual Christmas market. In retrospect, it was one of the smaller markets we have visited, but the setting in the beautiful city is second to none, and I highly recommend it. In Belgium, we also spent a couple of days in Brussels. Their Christmas market extends across the center of the city and culminates in a grand stretch of wooden stalls and a giant Ferris wheel. And they also have beautiful light and music shows, one in the Grand Place Square and another cast upon the facade of the Church of St. Catherine. It was very, very nice. I can just imagine those lights because, um, as we know in Europe, it's all about the big, uh, like you say, the big castles, the big churches. Yes, exactly. From Belgium, we traveled to two other locations. The first, Luxembourg City. The market there spans several sites in the city centers, and they were very entertaining, although perhaps not at the level of some of the others we have visited. 
However, the whole city has been declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site, mm. so it's well worth a visit. Our second stop was Valkenburg on de Gaulle in the mm. south southeastern area of the Netherlands, um, an area that I don't think a lot of people think of when they think of the Netherlands because it's not in stereotypically Holland. But mm -hmm. here we explored the most unique Christmas markets that we have seen. It does have a very typical street market, but it was the markets in the caves that were fascinating. Oh. Valkenburg is renowned for caves in the sandstone hill, mm. and during the Christmas season, the tourists are the tourist caves are used for Christmas markets. Mm. The municipal market in the Gemietengrot, and pardon my <laughs> lack of expertise with the Dutch <laughs> language is advertised as the largest and grandest of the two cave markets and was very interesting to visit. But we actually preferred the Velvet Cave, where we found the Christmas displays and decorations were nicer and vendors carried more original goods. Hmm. We also visited two other caves, the sure Cave, <laughs> where Christmas miniatures are interweaved with sandstone sculptures in what is a coal mining museum for the rest of the year. Hmm. And as well, the Wilhelmina Cave is known as the winter wonderland during the Christmas season. As, as well as being a type of amusement park, the caves contain impressive sandstone cultures created by artists from around the world. Hmm. So Bab, are these caves like all kind of in a row or in the- um, they're, they're sort of around, the sandstone hill stands kind of in the middle of the city and okay. The caves, there's a couple on one side and a couple on another. So we took two days to look at the different ones and found mm. that that worked well. Yeah. Uh, Valkenburg was also beautifully decorated for the season. And there was even a Christmas parade of school children while we <laughs> were there. So I think of all of our markets, including the ones I'll describe later, we would definitely rate Valkenburg markets as number one for their uniqueness. Okay, good to know. Yeah. This year we decided to travel to two German cities because really how can you talk about Christmas <laughs> markets without talking about Germany? So I have to mention Glühwein is the official drink of every Christmas market in Germany. It is the How many first glasses stall. did you drink, Beth? Um, well, a few. <laughs> and it's the first stall when you walk into the market and then repeats itself at various places. But interestingly, each market has their own unique ceramic mug that coordinates hmm. with the theme of the market. So when you get your blue wine, you pay a three euro deposit on the mug, which if you take your mug back when you're finished, they return your deposit. But we chose to keep a couple as they were, they're great souvenirs. They're really quite cute little mugs. Hmm. So first we spent some time in Cologne, or Cologne as the Germans would say. <laughs> There are at least nine separate Christmas markets in the city of Cologne. We visited six of them and really enjoyed the diversity. The Christmas market at the Cologne Cathedral is the most popular of the markets. It's located in the shadow of the cathedral, giving it a very special ambiance. And I must mention, that cathedral is spectacular. Ah, It's a must-see for anyone that's in that area. In the market, approximately 150 stands have red roofs and are decorated with a star and garland of fir branches. 
the many, the many, many lanes branch out from the central 25-meter-high Christmas tree, from which a net of lights with 50,000 LEDs stretches across the market. Hmm. Now, I must say, the organizers expect over 4 million visitors each year to this market. Oh. We enjoyed visiting in the morning, although many of the vendors were not open, but still it was lovely to wander around. And the afternoon when it was festive but not crowded. We visited the market briefly each evening as it was just a couple blocks from our hotel, but we were overwhelmed by the throngs of people. <laughs> How many vendors were there, do you think? Um, they, I think they say about 150. Okay, oh yeah. my. It's large. And, yeah. Um, the lights were magical in the evening and we knew that we wanted to find a couple of specific stands for our dinner for the evening and we spent quite a bit of time because it was very easy to get disoriented in the lanes but once we found them the food was great and we loved their blue wine mugs they were our favorites and we stored stowed a couple of them away in our luggage <laughs> But not far from the Cathedral Market is the Market of Heinzel. The win this winter fairy tale has a woodland gnome theme and it's dedicated to, and here's my German, is it, <laughs> as good as my Dutch, the Heinzel Manschen, <laughs> who are little creatures from a Cologne legend that says that these hardworking little journeymen used to live in the town and do the work of the local craftsmen at night. Hmm. The stalls at this market are wooden and more rustic, with garland lining the top of the stalls, invoking the feeling of walking through the forest. There's also a great ice rink that stretches more than 100 meters around parts of the square and the equestrian monument. And there is also an area for ice stock, which is a sport I had not heard of, but <laughs> appears to be very similar to curling. Ah, we love it. And what do they use? Um, they have like curling rocks except they have a stick that comes up from them so okay you don't it probably would be better for people who have you know trouble getting down to the rock <laughs> but otherwise it looked very much like curling hmm. um, we loved this market the vendors were dressed in authentic costumes and you could watch many of the artisans in action from wood carvers to blacksmiths to candy makers our other favorite market in Cologne was the Christmas market at the New Market, also known as the Market of Angels. At this one, clusters of stars were suspended above, oh. and its rustic white stands decorated with angel figures and oak stars. Um, we also collected the glue wine mugs from this market because they were very, very mm. typical for the theme of the market. Um, we also visited the harbor market and two small neighborhood markets that each had their own ambiance and were obviously there for the locals. So they were kind of fun and not nearly as crowded. Um, we walked from market to market so we could enjoy the streets of central Cologne. But there's also this fun little tram that makes a route around the market. So that's kind of handy for anybody that doesn't want to do all the walking. Um, from Cologne, we traveled to Frankfurt, where the Christmas markets are scattered around the central core. You really couldn't determine which one was different, where they started, where they ended, I guess is what I'd like to say. 
but <laughs> we enjoyed wandering from one to the other, taking in the festive ambiance as well as some delicious snacks and drinks. And walking through the markets from one to another was a great way to see the sights of central Frankfurt as well, as we'd never been to that city before. Yeah. Huh. So just as a final thing, I must say, I've mentioned the great food at the markets. And we've tried several things. The traditional bratwurst on a bun, that's mm. everywhere. Currywurst, Hungarian langosh, Belgian waffles. And a new one we tried this year were called kartoffel puffers. Oh. Basically potato pancakes that you can either get with an herb mayonnaise type sauce or with applesauce. And we tried them with the applesauce, which sounded a little odd, but was delicious. Mm, sounds wonderful. And then we, of course, as we walked around, snacked on pretzels and candied nuts and <laughs> chocolate in many different forms. Oh. So that, yeah, definitely the, the food is great at them. And we found that's, that was where we ate while we were in those two cities. Mm. So yes, um, th those were our markets for those two years. Um, we have gone to a couple of markets in London when we've been there as well. The giant one in Hyde Park, I think they call it the Winter Wonderland, is has a small area that's like a Christmas park, but it's really much more like an amusement and entertainment center. Mm. But in lots of the small areas in London, they have some great little Christmas markets as well. So by my calculation, Bev, you've only got about 2,990 Christmas markets left to see in Germany. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, so, you know, it should be able to fit that in in a year. <laughs> um, you said that it's just a quick internet search to find out uh, all about the markets in many different ways. And I understand there's train trips to the different markets. And I think we also know somebody that went on a river cruise, didn't they? And yeah. stopped along the way at different markets? Yes, it was like a uh, boat that just specifically went from market to market. And um, apparently they were thinking of returning this year, but hmm. there was um, some very bad snow in the area that some of the markets have had to close in that area just, oh, yeah. But they said it was a really great experience. Yeah, so there's uh, many, many different ways to enjoy all those markets over there, that's for sure. You know, Bev, I was reading a little bit and uh, COVID had such an effect on the world overall. And I was reading that um, they did try virtual substitutions for Christmas markets during the COVID period. And um, some people were really concerned that uh, that whole COVID thing might really hurt the markets, but it almost had the opposite effect if people really realized how important uh, the markets are to Christmas and to the European culture. And it's just a combination of the sounds, the colors, the smells, like you said, the ambiance, the atmosphere, the real thing. Um, and so really COVID um, probably did a did a good deed for the Christmas markets because I think it probably actually um, improved the attendance somewhat. Um, I was also reading that um, they've even thought of getting the Christmas markets a UNESCO recognition and not to keep them the same, but to keep the tradition going by allowing, like you said, markets to adapt and uh, change with uh, societal changes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, through the 80s and 90s, uh, 
Christmas markets expanded probably all over the world, um, America, Japan, India, and such, and I think they've become a real thing all over pretty much, eh? Yes, I do know in the city we live close to, Edmonton, Alberta, they have a great mark Christmas market at the Fort Edmonton um, Park, <laughs> and I've heard that it's really fun to go to. Yeah. So like you said, just do an internet search and um, there's all kinds of options, all kinds of opinions on the biggest and the best and a person could really make a, a winter holiday out of it. So um, European Christmas markets have a long and sometimes sordid tradition, but they're one activity that has just stood the test of time and it's the smells and the sounds and the sights and togetherness of strangers and the excitement and the hustle and the bustle and the economic benefits and the ability to change with society that really keeps them going, hey? Yes, definitely. And a number of people, not only just tourists, you can tell that it is a thing for the locals to do as well. Mm -hmm. It's very much part of their traditional practice. Yeah. Uh, so, Bev, I can smell my blue vine right now. How about you? Yes, for sure. Okay, so I'm going to uh, turn my stove off here and uh, filter some of this into a cup. Oh, I'm using one of my little cups from the Cologne Christmas Market. Oh, nice. Okay, here we go. So cheers, Bev. Cheers. Oh, that is so good. Yes. It, How is yours? It, it is very good. I, I don't know that it's as good as when you do it yourself as you did but for a quick way of doing it I think it's excellent yeah sounds good well thanks for your insight Bev and um, I'm glad you enjoyed your travels this time and um, maybe we got a lot of people interested in checking out the European Christmas markets I hope so so thanks for listening to my podcast and I hope you found it kind of light-hearted and bright and Christmassy and Please check back in a few days and see what happens next. And I know in January, I've got a different traveling companion and I are going to uh, Guatemala on a trip and I'll definitely be doing a podcast from then, from there. So I'll talk to you in a bit, Beth. I will and season's greetings to everyone. Yeah, thank you. Okay, we'll talk later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.